You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Good morning. So weird, like not having the chairs up here, and not having this like. There's like normally a little table behind me. <laughs> it's like there's like too much space. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, give me one second. Let me. How's everyone doing this morning? Amen. Amen. We, yesterday we were uh, celebrating the, uh, uh, the, like, the matching of all the medical students that come here, and, uh, which, is, which was awesome. We had a great time. But we were outside, and we were talking and stuff like that, and so I don't know how my voice is going to be today, but it'll be okay. I'll be all right. Just keep drinking water and, and work it out. All right? So let's, uh, let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, for today. Lord, I just want to just lift up this time, uh, lift up uh, these words, Lord, to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been reading through uh, the book of Jeremiah, but last week we took a little break, and uh, Dave taught on the gifts of the Spirit and how, how they're used in the body and things like that. He didn't get through his, his word, but uh, it was really good, though. It was excellent. But before that, uh, Dan gave an a, uh, excellent um, summary about Jeremiah, uh, just an introduction to the, to the book of Jeremiah. But I hope people have been reading. You know, it's very interesting, very, very good book. So why don't you turn with me to um, uh, Jeremiah 20, all right? That's what we were supposed to read yesterday. Uh, if you're keeping up, but I mean, you know, it's okay if you didn't. Uh, but um, so when we turn uh, Jeremiah 20, starting verse seven, all right. And I have a lot of verses today, so you know you might not be able to follow with me all the way, but they'll be up behind me, hopefully, right? Yeah, so we're good. All right, so it says, uh, starting in verse seven, it says, "You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed." I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and, and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention your, your, his word or speak any more his name, his word is in me, uh, is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding, in, holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear my whispering, uh, terror on every side. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him, let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting to help, to, for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived, and then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will t- uh, stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be uh, thoroughly disgraced. Their honor will never be forgotten. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you have ex- you, ex- you are, Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and prove the heart, the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to uh, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. 
Amen. Amen. I'm just going to stop there. I could go further, but I won't. <laughs> uh, but have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like giving up? You know, it felt like quitting, right? Uh, yesterday, uh, Alex and I were talking, and he, and he says in his, um, uh, his law, one of his law classes, one of his professors said, you know, you know going to school, going to law school is like digging a, a hole, right? Digging a, uh, with a shovel. And yeah, you can take the shovel and you can rest on it, whatever, but never put the shovel down because if you put it down, you may never pick it up again because it's so much harder to do it. But a lot of times we feel like quick quitting, right? We feel like throwing in the towel, like, you know, tossing the towel in, you know, throwing your hands up saying, you know, I can't take this anymore. I'm done. I quit. It's over. No mas. You know, no more. I'm done. Right? We've all felt like that. You're like, like you're working on a, uh, on a project or a relationship or a ministry. You know, you're working on life. You know, and you, and you just about had all you can take, right? I mean, you're making very little progress, making very little progress, if any, and, and you're spinning your wheels and you're, getting, you're not getting anywhere. You're tired, you're worn out, you're weary and frustrated. You know, now I don't know about you, but I've been there and I've done that. And I have a closet full of t-shirts that say, I'm done, all those things. I'm worn out. I'm, I'm ready to go. No more. Have a whole bunch of those. And so we're reading the book of Jeremiah, and it's, it's some inter- very interesting stuff, right? It's very interesting stuff. I was texting with, uh, with a friend this week, last week, and they were saying how they're, they're, they've been reading Jeremiah, and it's a bit confusing and thought it was just them. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's, it's not just you. <laughs> you know, it's not just you. Jeremiah is someone who's gone through a lot. I mean, and I mean a lot. He went through a lot. And one thing about him, though, he's a guy who keeps going even when he felt like giving up. Even when he felt like giving up, he kept going. You know, now I have, one, I have two goals this morning, right? First and foremost, I'm going to praise and, and, and glorify our awesome Lord and Savior, our mighty God. And the second is, is that I hope that something I say today, you know, a word, a thought, you know, a phrase, whatever, will help someone here or on Zoom who feels like quitting, who feels like giving up. Now, before I talk about, you know, Jeremiah, you know, and reasons for quitting, <laughs> Jeremiah's reasons for quitting, uh, you know, I think it's a good idea to summarize where we are in, in the story. Because, like, when we just, we just um, uh, so we can, we can understand where Jeremiah is writing from, where his heart is, where, where things are hap- what things are happening now. And so remember, we were reading the Book of Kings, right? Remember that? Okay, all right. <laughs> and, and, and we read about the split in the kingdom of Israel. And so right after Solomon's son, Rehoboam, right, became king, a bunch of people came to Jerusalem from the north. And they were, they were led by a guy named Jeroboam. There are a lot of Boams in, back then, you know, a lot of Boams. I, I don't understand it, but there are. And these people came to the new king to tell them, you know, he's like, bro, they're like, bro, you know, we need a tax cut, right? We need a tax cut. Your dad's tax rates are killing us. 
And Jeroboam, whatever his name is, you know, Rehoboam, yeah, that, that sounds good. Sounds good to me. You know, he got, some, he got some bad advice and basically tells them to stop their whining and get ready for some even bigger taxes, right? Taxes are going up. So it's like, don't suck it up. You know, you're going to get more taxes, right? You know, well, this ticks everybody off, ticks the northern kingdom off, and they start their own nation, you know, up in the north. And a civil war, basically, between the north Israel, the rest of the tribes of Israel, and the south Judah, and I think basically Benjamin, you know, they begin. You know, it's never good. You know, brother fighting brother, and, you know, it's not never a good thing. But this is where, this is where we are in the story. And since the people of the north no longer have a temple, they build altars, right? And they turn from God. They start worshiping foreign gods. And God removes his protection from, from, uh, from, from Israel. And the Assyrian army, you know, comes and destroys the northern kingdom. And it wipes them out. And it's, it's pretty bad, right? Then they, then they try to take out the southern kingdom. They try to take out Judah as well. But and just as they surround the city, God sends angels to, to, to rescue them. And, um, you know, the northern kingdom is gone because they, they turned away from the Lord. They turned away from God. And so what do you think that the, the southern kingdom, would Judah, learn from all of this? What do you think they learned from all of this? Right. You would hope... Right? That they learn that it's not good to turn away from the Lord. Not good to turn away from God and worship idols. But they didn't. They didn't. They chose to serve and worship other gods. So this was the t- now this is the time. This was the time when God's people were doing really bad, living totally against God, that Jeremiah is born and had his ministry. This is during this time. This is when Jeremiah was born and has his ministry. And it was a tough ministry. You know, and Jeremiah had many reasons to quit and many reasons to give up and throw in the towel. And so I'm going to go over a few, right? I'm going to go over a few with you guys. And the first reason would be the people. Have people ever <laughs> made you want to quit? Have people ever wanted to made, you, it made you ever want to give up? You know, again, you, you would have hoped that, you know, from the southern, that the southern kingdom would have learned from the mistakes of, you know, the northern kingdom. You know, that it was not a good idea to turn away from God and worship idols, but they didn't. They didn't learn that. And so in Jeremiah 3, verses 8 to 10, it says, I gave faithfulness, faithless Israel her certificate of divorce. And sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery. Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her. She defiled the land and committed adultery with with stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart. But only in pretense, declares the Lord. Understand, these guys didn't learn a thing. They didn't learn a thing at all. You know, they had also, they also worshipped false idols and committed immorality on every hill in Jerusalem. They even sacrificed 
their own sons and, and, and daughters to the, to the flames of, of the pagan idols, right? And in, in, verse, in 10 and 11, basically, it's, it's like, and worst of all, the people of Judah pretended to come back to me. Even the people of Israel were honest enough not to pretend, not to do it, you know, with the false pretense. Can you see the picture that Jeremiah is painting? Can you see the picture? The people of Judah pretended to come back to God. You know, they came to the services. They sang the songs, lifted their hands. They even, uh, you know, filled out Jeremiah's sermon notes. You know, they did all that, but it wasn't real. It wasn't real at all. You know, they worshiped uh, uh, with their lips, but their hearts were far from God. In Jeremiah 7, 9 and 11, it says, Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense and, and to Baal and follow other gods you have not known? And then come to me and stand before me in, the, in this house, which bears my name, and say, We are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. He's been watching. Yeah, the people made Jeremiah want to give up. Again, people, have people ever made you want to give up? You know? Another reason that Jeremiah had, 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 was wanting to throw in the towel was the ministry that God had called him to. The ministry he, he called him to. You know, Jeremiah had a tough, tough ministry. He preached a difficult message, you know, that no one wanted to hear. Right? Nobody wanted to hear it. You know, and what was the message? That God was angry at the nation of Israel, and his, and his justice was about to be unleashed for their sins. That was his message. In Second Chronicles uh, 36, verse 17, 15 and 17, it says, The Lord, the God of, of their ancestors, repeatedly sent prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the, at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. So the Lord brought the king of Babylon against them. See, the only thing left for, the, for, for, the, for Judah to do was, was only hope, their only hope was to surrender to, the, to their enemy, the Babylonians. That was their only hope. If they did things, you know, they, they did this, the things would probably go reasonably well, right? But if they refused to surrender, then the things would be really, really bad. You know, the city and temple would be burned to the ground, you know, and tens of thousands of people, you know, would, would, would die by the sword or by famine, you know. And yet, Jeremiah preached 40 year, a 40-year sermon, you know, a 40-year sermon series called Captivity and Death, Right? This was a sermon series. It was like captivity and death. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. You know, you might have guessed, you know, this, that this, this message wore on Jeremiah. So listen to, you know, what he, said, what he wrote in uh, Jeremiah 23, 9. He says, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I am like a drunken man, like a, like a strong man overcome by wine because of, the, because of the Lord and his holy words. Yeah, the ministry, the task, the road God called uh, him to walk down, you know, being a prophet of doom and gloom, right, of death and destruction, 
was enough to make Jeremiah want to quit. He wanted to quit. So has the task, the ministry, the road that God has called you to walk down, walk down, ever make you feel like giving up? Has it made you feel like giving up? But next comes rejection and futility, right? Understand that, that Jeremiah preached his heart out for 40 years, and no one ever listened, right? He made no impact. He changed no lives. And, and this past, check out this passage that, you know, uh, that Jeremiah is talking to, talking to God's people, right? In Jeremiah 6, says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. We will not walk in it. We will not listen. That's what the people said. Because of that refusal, refusal, they would never find rest for their souls. Not only did the people reject him, but God rejected his prayers. God rejected Jeremiah's prayers. Jeremiah loved his people. He loved the people of Judah, and he didn't want to see them suffer. He constantly prayed for them. And, the, and more than once, God said to Jeremiah, you know, he, went, he says, pray no more for these people. In Jeremiah 11, he said, 14, he says, pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them, for I will not listen to them, listen to them when they cry out to me in distress. The guy's like, don't pray for them anymore. There's no hope for them. You know, rejection and futility is enough to make even the strongest person want to give up. Am I right? Right. I mean, and then there was the loneliness. The loneliness. You know, listen, if ever a man needed a sympathetic, supportive spouse, Jeremiah, Jeremiah definitely did. Jeremiah was that guy. You know, but God ordered Jeremiah not to marry. He couldn't marry. You know, his lifestyle had to match his message, right? And, and for Jeremiah to marry that would, and have children would be inconsistent with the, the announcement that Jerusalem was, would, would soon be destroyed by the Babylonians. It would just be an inconsistent message, you know? And for that same very reason, Jeremiah wasn't allowed to, to, to attend parties or social gatherings, you know, because, you know, there was nothing to celebrate. There's nothing to celebrate. Do you see the picture? Do you see the picture? Forty years, Jeremiah was all alone in preaching a message no one wanted to hear and, and no one wanted to listen to, to people who would not listen, right? You know, has feeling all alone, feeling like you're the only one who cares, you know, who's tr- who, the only one who's trying ever made you feel like giving up. And then there were the hardships. There were hardships on top of it. And if all that wasn't bad enough, you know, abuse. You know, you could throw that into the the boiling pot of discouragement that Jeremiah felt. 
And here's just a few examples. You know, men from his hometown plotted against him, right? He was put on trial for his life. His first draft of, uh, of, of the God's word that, you know, was burned by the king. He was flogged and put in the, in the public stocks for the people to mock. That's, that's what we read yesterday in, in, in the beginning of uh, chapter 20. He was attacked by false prophets who spoke another message. He was arrested and accused for treason. He was dragged from his prison cell, right? And then and lowered by ropes into an empty well uh, in a prison yard where there was no water in it, but there was like a thick layer of mud. And he, Jeremiah sucked down, sunk down into the, the mud, right? I don't know about you, but I think Jeremiah had a lot of reasons for giving up, a ton of reasons for giving up, for throwing in the towel. You know, some of the very, some of the very same reasons that, that, of, that often come against us when we are, you know, when, we're, when we want to give up. You know, people, the difficult uh, job, the task, the ministry that we're called to, the pointlessness and rejection that we find, the loneliness and the hardships, you know, Jeremiah had many reasons for quitting. And sometimes he wanted to quit, right? Not all the time, though, but sometimes he wanted to quit. But there were moments, you know, that he, that when he had enough. You know, times when he cried out to God in great frustration and said, I can't take it anymore. Have you ever had those kind of moments? I think we all have. But let me share one, a few, right? In Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah goes, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. Please give me time. Don't let me die young. It's for your sake that I am suffering. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. O Lord God of heaven's armies, I never joined the people in their, in their merry feast. I sat alone because you, your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation at their, at their sins. Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems to, as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. That's some serious stuff, right? Some serious stuff. You know, can you feel his pain? Can you feel his pain? Jeremiah is hurting big time. He's hurting. You know what I love about Jeremiah? Is that he puts it all out on the table. He puts it all out there, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, he doesn't come to God pretending. He doesn't come pretending. He said, God, you let me down this road. I'm always alone. It seems like you're never there for me. You're never there for me. Your help, your help seems as, as, as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. Now, that wasn't true, right? But that's what he felt. That's what Jeremiah felt. You know, one more feeling like, feeling like quitting moment, you know, is in, in chapter 20, that, you know, the passage that we read, that I read, we read this morning. And his, at this point, his hand is like on the towel. You know, his arm is drawn back. He's like ready to throw in the towel, right? Ready to throw it in, like the Rocky three, four, 
sorry. But, uh, but he never throws it in. And he goes in verse 7, right? He says he felt deceived, right? He felt deceived. He says, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. <laughs> Again, these are very strong words. Very strong words, but they, they're, they're spoken from the heart of honesty, uh, you know, before the Lord. God already knew how Jeremiah felt. He knew how he felt, but he, but he just verbalized his feelings to the Lord. You know, he honestly felt as if he had been deceived by the Lord. He felt as if, you know, the Lord was, wasn't truthful or really didn't let him know what, was, what, his life, what he was in for, right, what his life was going like, to be like. He had hoped for better success, right? Like we always, we all, we all hope for success, right? And, and, um, and he goes, he was saying that, Lord, why have you brought me to this place? This is not what I expected, you know, when you spoke to me about preaching your, to your people. It's not what I signed up for. This is not what I signed up for. And he felt discouraged. You know, he's like, and, and, and again, he, he goes on and says, you overpowered me and prevailed. He felt as, as if he, he had struggled with the Lord instead of those who refused to listen to his message. And the, Lord prevailed, and, the, and the Lord had prevailed. You know, at this moment in his life, he was very discouraged. Jeremiah is very discouraged. It's easy for us to, to, you know, to look at this situation and question the response that Jeremiah has, right? You know, how, how, how could he possibly think that way? How dare he say that about God, you know? How could he not see the struggle is not with God, but with those who fail to listen to this message? You know, this was a, a spiritual struggle of the heart of, of, of men, not, not a problem created by God, right? But that's one of the oldest schemes used by the enemy. One of the oldest schemes used by the enemy. You know, he loves to cause us to view our struggle from a wrong perspective. From the wrong perspective. Just like with Jeremiah, God is never, ever the problem. But Satan wants us to feel that God takes pleasure in our defeats. You know, he felt despised. You know, it goes on, he says, I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Everyone makes fun of me. You know, he was feeling ridiculed and ashamed. He felt as if everyone in Judah was mocking him and, 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 and no one cared. He felt alone in, 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 the, in the great struggle that he was facing. You know, again, another favorite tactic by the enemy. He wants us to believe that no one cares for us, you know, or has any concern for the challenges that we face. That we're all alone. He would have us believe that our, our, our faith is obsolete and, and no one is interested in the ways of righteousness anymore. Right? Jeremiah felt, he also felt defeated in that. In that, in that. He goes on, he says, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak his name any, uh, anyone, anymore in his name, you know, basically this, summarize, this summarizes, you know, the way Jeremiah felt at this point. He had decided to abandon the work, decided to give up and walk away. Lord, I'm through. I can't do, go on another day. You know, I will not speak your name anymore. I will not preach again. Rejection, hostility, pain, suffering, futility, loneliness, unpopular message for 40 years. This is Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah has so many reasons to give up. Yet, Jeremiah hangs in there. He hangs in there all those years. He had many moments when he felt like quitting, but he never did. 
Why didn't he give up? Why didn't he give it up? Give up? You know, as, as, as I thought about Jeremiah and how he hung in there, you know, I asked myself over and over again, how did he do it? How did he do it? How was Jeremiah able to hang in there and not give up? What kept him going? In verse 9 of chapter 20, he goes, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. There's this old song when I was a kid, and it was like, you know, it's a, basically on this verse. It was like, fire, fire, shut up in, no, I'm kidding. Shut up in my bones like Jeremiah. Anyway, but um, that's all, every time I've been reading this, so I'm like, that's been going through my head all week long. So anyway, sorry, tangent. My brain is like weird that way. So anyway, so but while Jeremiah may have wanted to abandon his calling, wanted to quit, there was something within that refused, that, that, that refused to let him do it, right? He refused to let him do it. Now think about it. He may have wanted to quit, but the word of God was within his heart, guiding his life, convincing him to press on in the Lord. You know, as much as, it, as his flesh wanted to quit, the word was in him, right? The word was in him. And when he thought about quitting, the word came to mind. The word would come to mind. He was, when he was wallowing in his depression, right, the word began to rise up in his heart. He just could not escape the word in the real presence of the Lord. You can't escape that. It's impossible for the believer, you know, to fully escape any reminder of the word of God. You know, we certainly can't escape the presence of the Lord because he's everywhere. He's in our lives everywhere, Right? You know, when, when we're tempted to quit, you know, God's word offers strength and encouragement to press on. His word was like a fire, like a fire shut up in my bones, right? And when he thought he could suppress the desire uh, for the Lord in, in preaching the word, you know, it grew like a raging fire in his bones, a raging fire. And when, and when we encounter the risen Christ in salvation— our lives are completely transformed. We're completely transformed, never to be the same again. And we can't escape the guidance and, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, and Jeremiah soon learned that it was easier to, to deal with the rebellious Jews than it was to argue with God. You know, the Lord could not, would not abandon him and, and allow him to forsake his calling. And when he laid down at night, the word was there, you know, spoken to his heart through the Holy Spirit. And when he woke up in the morning, the word was there, you know. He could not escape the presence and the power of God. You know, our Lord promised to never leave us or forsake us, right? He's with us all the time. He won't abandon us. He won't abandon us on our journey, no matter where it may take us. Even when, it's, even when we think it's what we want. So I want to talk about some things uh, that you and I, just like Jeremiah, need to have if we want to keep going when we feel like giving up, all right? So I get, went through all that, but we're almost done. Don't worry. I won't be like Dave last week. Dave went, like, really long. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, he was great. It was a good word. Excellent word. So, yeah. So, but Jeremiah, so first, Jeremiah had a purpose to live for, right? 
Jeremiah's life had meaning and purpose. And we saw this in the very first uh, chapter of the book of Jeremiah. So in Jeremiah 1, 4 to 7, he goes, he said, the Lord gave me a message. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, to and say whatever I command you. Jeremiah, I'm the one who created you. That's what God said. I knew you in your mother's womb. Therefore, I know who you are and what you should do. So don't say I can't. Don't say I can't. Yeah, Jeremiah knew his purpose to speak the words of God and listen. You know, that purpose helped him to keep going when he felt like giving up. Knowing that, you know, knowing that God has a purpose for, knowing that God had a purpose for his life burned like a fire in Jeremiah's bones, you know, and empowered him to not give up. But next we had, he had hope to anchor to, right? He had a hope to anchor onto, to, to, to hold on to, right? You know, a number of years ago, there were researchers who, um, performed an experiment to see, you know, the, the, the effect hope had on uh, those undergoing hardships, right? So two set, they had two sets of laboratory rats, right? And how they chose, you know, you know to do an experiment like that, you know, and how, they, how that would, you know, correlate with the people, whatever, I don't know. But they're scientists, so that's what they do, right? And so they had two sets of rats, and they were placed in separate tubs of water. You know, and the, and the researchers left one set, of, one set in the water, and they found that within an hour, they had drowned. They had all drowned. But with the other set of rats, they were periodically lifted them out of the water, you know, and then returned. And then, then they return, put them back in the water. And, and what, then when, when that happened, the second set of rats, you know, swam for over 24 hours. They swam for over 24 hours. Why? Not because they were given rest, but because they suddenly had hope. They had hope. Those animals believe that they could stay afloat. If they could just stay afloat just a little bit longer, that someone would come to rescue them. Jeremiah had hope because of our, just like our, our, our little just keep swimming friends, right? You know, he had hope. He was confident that someone, that God, would come to rescue him. And not only did, did Jeremiah speak the following words from, from God, he believed them. Right. And, and it gave him even, you know, in the face of rejection, in the face of re futility and, and, and the people that, you know, made him want to quit and all the hardships. It gave him an unsinkable hope. And in, in, that, in the verse that we all know, right, that we've all quoted like a million times, it seems like in Jeremiah 29, 11, he goes, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, a plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope. In the future, Jeremiah knew that the battles, the war, death, famine, sin, destruction were not God's ultimate plan for his people. 
He knew that it was not, not God's ultimate plan for his people. You see, even in the midst of their sin, idolatry, and rebellion, God's plan for his people was still to prosper them, to not harm them, you know, to give them hope and a future. That was God's plan. And check out this verse, right? You know, have no doubt that this verse gave hope to Jeremiah. If you skip down to, uh, to verse 14 here, it says, it goes, I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. That's 29.14, right? We need to understand this, right? Just as a people, as body, as believers. You know, God does not punish us to, or allow bad things to happen in order to pay us back. He doesn't do it to pay us back. He does it to bring us back. He wants to bring us back. See, God's passion, his goal, his desire has remained unchanged since man's fall in the garden. It's remained unchanged to do whatever it takes to bring us back to himself. He wants us back with him. Because Jeremiah had this hope, a hope anchored to the, to the plan and purposes of God, Jeremiah knew that, you know, God's desire was not to pay his people back, but to win them back. He wanted, them, he wanted to win them back. He was able to write, you know, these words as he left Jerusalem with the city and the temple, you know, in rubble, burning in his rearview mirror, right? He's leaving. And in Lamentations 3, he goes, uh, 19 to 26, he goes, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I, you know, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those uh, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He had that hope. But he had also had a mighty God to trust in. He had a God who was mighty, who could do anything and do everything to trust in, right? In, in Jeremiah 32, 17 to 20, whew, it's a lot of verses, but that's okay, right? He goes, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to, th to thousands, and br but bring the punishment uh, for their parents' sin into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct, and as their deeds uh, and as their deeds deserve. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt, and have continued them to this day in Israel, and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours. That's awesome stuff. That's another. That's a song we used to sing years ago. You know, you know, nothing is too difficult for thee. You know, great and mighty God. 
Feeling counsel and mighty indeed. Amen? Amen. But God, you know, everything, everything you ever wanted to do, you did. Right? You made the heavens and the earth. You delivered your people. And everything you ever said would happen has or will happen. Nothing is too hard for you. I put my trust completely in you alone. For you are worthy of my trust. And this is what the Lord says, right? It says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not, you know, see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in, in, in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where, there's, where, where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the, when the heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. And its fruit and, and never fails to bear fruit. That's Jeremiah 17. So he had a purpose to live for, you know, a hope to anchor to, and a mighty God to trust in. That's what kept Jeremiah going when he wanted to give up. And we as followers of Christ, right, have those exact same three things. You know, we have a purpose to live for. You know, in, in Ephesians 2, I'm going to end soon. All right, so it says, we are, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do God's work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right? Living Word, we, I, I, you know, I stand before you today, you know, and proclaim to you that the authority of God's Word, with the authority of God's Word, that you have a purpose to live for. We all have a purpose to live for, to know God, to bring him pleasure, to honor, bring him honor and glory, you know, to, to be a part of his family, to become like Christ and reflect him to the world. We have a purpose to do what God has, you know, uniquely shaped and prepared for you to do, to help redirect the eternity of men and women and, and lead people to the fullness of, uh, uh, the fullness of life. He's called us to that. We have a purpose. We have a, a hope to anchor to, right? You know, we have a God. We, have, we run to God for safety, you know. Now his promises should, should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is, that is right in front of us. In, in Hebrews 6, right, uh, it says God did, in Hebrews 6, 18 to 20, it says God did, did, and God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Jesus has gone ahead of us. You know, we're going, and we're going there too, right? Listen, one day, you know, he will come to rescue us and take us home. So just keep swimming, right? Just keep swimming. 
one day, you know, the heavens are going to be ripped open and, and the new heaven, you know, uh, is going to come down from the sky. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more sorrow, no more sin or hatred. You know, and where we see him, he really is. We'll see him as he really is. You know, Revelations 21, you know, 5, it says, He who's seated on the throne, I'm making, it said, you know, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write it down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Trustworthy and true. And we have a mighty God to, to, to trust in, right? Paul was in his prison, you know. Uh, for, he was in prison for preaching the gospel. And he knew that any moment a guard can come and, you know, he would lose his head. It could happen anytime. You know, so he, so he writes some words to, to Timothy. And, and, and Timothy, to t- Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, he says, I know whom I, have re- uh, whom I, I, know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. And in, in the Ephesians 20, I mean, Ephesians 3.20, he goes, now to him who is, who is who's able to do uh, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. A purpose to live for, a hope to anchor to, and a mighty God to trust in. That's what we have. These are the keys, you know, that we need to hang on to that when, we're, when we're, we feel like giving up. But how and where do we, uh, you know, do, do we not only get them, you know, or in get them, how do we get them and how do we maintain these things, right? How do we maintain them through our relationship with Jesus Christ? There's no other substitute. There's no other way. No, no other way. You know, by seeking God, as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14, with all of our heart. It's all of our heart. In, in that verse, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's simple, right? I will be found by you, declares the Lord. When we seek him with all of our heart, He'll be, fine by, he'll, be, he'll be found by us, declares the Lord. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, the life of Jeremiah. Lord, that he did not give up when he felt like quitting. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that we as your people, there are many times in our lives when we feel like giving up, when we feel like quitting. And in the midst of all the things that are going wrong with us, that we um, just want to say no more. I can't take it anymore. But I, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that you are here for us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a purpose to live for, Lord God. You've given us a hope. Lord God, a hope, Lord, that we can hold on to, 
in the midst of our struggles, Lord God. And Lord, <laughs> Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we have you that we can trust in. Lord, because you do not lie. You don't lie, Lord God. And what you say, Lord, comes to pass. Lord, because you are the almighty, the all-loving, the all-powerful, Lord God. So, Lord, we just come before you, Lord, this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, and I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us everything we need, Lord, to not give up, even in the midst of the struggle, the hardest challenges, Lord, that we may ever have. So, Lord, I just give you praise and honor this morning. You're so good to us, Lord. In your precious name, amen. Amen.